possible, please make a donation today at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. You make the point of saying someone's not a genius. You think I'm especially not a genius? You didn't even have to think about it, did you? I'd stand on the corner of the block slinging amethyst rocks, drinking 40s of Mother Earth's private nectar stocks, dodging cops, cause 5-0-B's a 666, and I need a fix of that purple rain, the type of shit that drives membranes insane. Oh yeah, I'm in the fast lane, snorting candy yams that free my body and soul and send me like Shazam. Never question who I am, God knows, and I know God personally, in fact he lets me call him me, yeah, I'm serious B, don't go on niggas plotting shit lovely, but the fans is also plotting me, they're trying to imprison my astrology, put our stars behind bars, our stars in stripes, using blood splattered banners as nationalist kites, but I control the wind, that's why they call it the hawk, I am Horus, son of Isis, son of Worshiped as Jesus, resurrected like Lazarus But you can call me lazy, lazy Yeah, I'm lazy cause I'd rather sit and build The work of plow field Worshiping a daily yield of cash, green crops Stealing us was the smartest thing they ever did Too bad they don't teach the truth to their kids Our influence on them is the reflection they see When they look into their menstrual mirror And talk about their culture Their existence is that of a schizophrenic vulture Yeah, there's no repentance They are bound to live an infinite consecutive executive life sentence. So what are you bound to live, nigga? So while you're out there serving the time and be, I'll be in sync with the sun while you run from the moon. Life of the womb reflected by guns. Worship of moons, I am the sun. And we are public enemies, number one. One, one, one. You didn't even have to think about it, did you? Your internet radio dial is in the perfect position, and Race to the Bottom is on the air. Time to sit back and enjoy some refreshing Winslow tea. Try it hot, lukewarm, or over ice. Have it with milk and sugar, or a lemon wedge, or oh natural. Mmm, mmm, mmm. Now that's Winslow tea. A New York City tradition since 1872. Ask for it by name at the tea house or your local greengrocer. Because that's how you know it's Winslow.
from the Winslow T Broadcast booth in warm Bushwick, Brooklyn. I'm John Reed. You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, and this is Race to the Bottom, baby. That's Chris McGregor's Brotherhood of Breath. And I haven't figured anything out about about this group. They just kind of came came to me through the algorithm. And I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Right? Sometimes it's it's better just to uh to not know. There's a, a Zen Cohen <laughs> says not knowing is closest. What if these guys are like jerks? This is so good. My opening monologue, as always, is sponsored by Winslow Tea. I've got it iced, and I'm drinking it now. Mmm. That's really good. Please hashtag your tea drinking experiences with hashtag how you know and steep into the conversation. I had to put a, a pause there because I was listening back to last week's show for a little quality control, and it sounded like the hashtag was how you know to steep into the conversation. That's too long of a hashtag. The hashtag is how you know, and you hashtag something that in order to steep into the conversation. Thank you to the good folks at Winslow. All of my guests will be getting the, the Winslow uh, prize package. Um, it's it's hard to carry out. Usually need to get a dolly. So so much so much tea. So much tea, so little time. Hashtag your tea drinking experiences with so much tea, so little time. So. I was just talking to my guest that's here in the studio about how it's it's important to be honest with kids. I've been having these headaches, and I'm tired, but I'm going to pull through and deliver a monologue all about Nicki Minaj, right? That's what everybody wants me to do a monologue about. But I think... I think you've gotten all the takes. I, that, it's like the uh, what's the name of that camera angle that they started in the and um, the Matrix, where you like s- the rotating camera angle. Yeah, where the freeze and spins around. I feel like that's what we've done with with uh, with with this Nicki Minaj thing. We've got it from every every angle. Maybe the only I know the only guy who could really sort this out is John Stewart, and I can't wait for him to come back. Oh man, what did we we went to hell once John Stewart left? He he was the he was the guy just saving us from from all this nonsense. Jeesh. I just hope Jon Stewart uh, reignites his feud with uh, that bow tie guy. 
Yeah. So the Mets, the Mets have have t- I think officially have tanked. We are going to get Howie on. We we need to get Howie on for a, an episode of or a, a segment of this is how we do it to talk about this. But there's this sadness that I feel in the air. My birthday was yesterday. Summer's going to turn to fall, and the leaves that are green turn to brown as. Simon and Garfunkel opined back in the day. And you can feel it once once the baseball season's wrapping up. Cough button. Once football goes on your television, starts bumming me out. And as long as we're talking about baseball two things one i've got a recommendation for you guys hold on let me get the recommended uh music bear with me here we go my recommendation to you is one one is this new Sally Rooney book, Beautiful World, Where Are You? I'm like halfway done. So good. But my other recommendation is this 86 Mets, Once Upon a Time in Queens, 30 for 30. And our my other guest, not the guest that's in studio, but the guest that's going to be coming to us virtually is going to talk again to the director. He already had him on once, but he's going to get... Uh, it's not Nick Adams. That's the guy who wrote Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, right? Spinal Tap? Oh, you're not on the mic yet. Douglas Adams. So it is Nick Adams. Sorry, I didn't. I, I just haven't introduced you yet. So <laughs> he's going to have Nick Adams on, the director of this Mets '86. I just finished it last night. Oh, I watched that instead of watching the actual Mets game. Did some time traveling. It's so good. So that's the one thing, is my recommendations. But the other thing is, I, I don't think I've talked about this on the show, and I just need to address it briefly. At the beginning of last, the weird baseball season last year, one of the first games, it was right around... Um, it was right around the time of the protests and on the mound behind the pitcher they had uh, BLM right it, it was pretty unprecedented because baseball usually doesn't um, get political in that way Nick Davis not what did Nick at not Nick Adams that's probably like a white supremacist. Nick Davis. I'll talk to you about it in a second, Scott. But they put the the damn Black Lives Matter thing on the mound, which was awesome. Before, before like everything, Black Lives Matter got thrown into the relativity machine. And, and now it's back to like this 50-50 thing where... 
everybody takes their sides, and you have opportunists trying to besmirch it. But that's neither here nor there. Talk about capitalism. I did this show on on capitalism with uh, Jay Clarkson. This is capitalism. We We tried to say, like, what is the epitome of American capitalism? What's an image? And uh, we talked like about like Spotify and getting your 16-cent check as an artist from Spotify as a, as a... What? For... What about this? After that one, one day that they put Black Lives Matter on the mound... Then it opened uh, opened up a rush. There never used to be anything on the on the pitcher's mound. Then all of a sudden, Geico, uh, you know, downy fabric softener, whatever the hell it is, on on the mound, superimposed. It's a new advertising space. You have one one day of of altruistic connection, and then it just turns into a new medium for advertising. Speaking of advertising, <laughs> Radio Free Brooklyn is sponsored in part by Peters Valley School of Craft. Peters Valley presents the Fall Craft Fair at the Sussex County, New Jersey Fairgrounds on September 25th and 26th. That's next weekend, guys. Visitors can browse and buy handcraft pieces from all, over 100 exhibiting artists. Ticket sales support Peters Valley School of Craft fostering creative thinking through fine craft education programs and events. Tickets and information at petersvalley.org And I don't see the, the read for the medical braces, but if you need a free medical brace, you can uh, go back in the archive and I have the phone number for that. I guess we killed that ad. How about that mashup? And then I'm going to Introduce my guests. We heard from Destiny's Child, just the line, Charlie, uh, I didn't know you get down like that. Girl, I didn't know you could get down like that, Charlie, how your angels get down like that, which is one of the dumbest lines I've ever heard in my life. And I said, I'm going to take it. What did Jay-Z say to Nas? You made it a hot line. I made it a hot song. So I'd say to Beyonce, you made it a dumb line. I made it a dumb song. And then I, uh, I superimposed that over the intro to the Dells. Does anybody know I'm here? Um, I looped that. Then we heard don't the Jade, uh, the one hit wonder uh, girl group, Jade. Kind of the poor man's en vogue with that don't walk away. Boom, 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 that uh, cowbell beat. We heard Saul Williams from the um, great slam poetry movie, Slam. When he's freestyling. Oh, don't even get me started on freestyling. <laughs> um, when he's he's uh, in the prison yard. Um, and I put that over Hey Ma by Cameron. That was from a previous matchup that I did this time last year. Oh, and we heard from Eli Cash. Why would a reviewer specifically say I'm not a genius? Wow. All right. That's enough of a monologue for today. I'm excited to introduce my guest. You know him. 
you love them. Host of Why Is This Not a Movie. And, uh, and, and I'd say we're becoming actual friends. Mike Vago. You want to see if that mic works? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Here I am. You sound good. Yeah, good to be here. And yeah, it, it's... I was having that same feeling. Like, am I making a friend? Yeah. At the end of the pandemic, that's a very, you know, not seeing anybody just live in my house. Yeah. Uh, you know, going into work and just being me and the cleaning lady. <laughs> it's uh, it's nice to hang out with people in person. And Yeah. Nice to be back in the studio. We're going to go get lunch after this. And I'm very excited. Oh, my God. The first time I got went to lunch with a coworker, like, I was, I was almost in tears. Yeah. Nature's healing, my friends. Yes. That's what they say. So how, how's it going? You, uh, you've started the, the fall season of Why Is This Not a Movie? Yeah. First episode of season three just dropped. The seasons are basically just, I take a break at the end of the year and I take a break over the summer. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, we had a good episode. I actually had my first like sort of one-two punch because I interviewed a PhD um, like anthropology researcher who was also a production assistant on a movie. So he came with an idea um, about the Wright brothers, about doing a movie about them that doesn't lead up to the triumphant moment where they fly for the first time, but opens with that and then talks about the part that not a lot of people know about, which was that for two or three years after they first flight at Kitty Hawk, they kept refining the idea and working in secret because they were afraid somebody would steal the credit. Wow. So they were also trying to get like business and government contracts and they would go to people and be like, we've invented a machine that can fly and we want some money to make more of them. Wow. Can I see it? No. <laughs> <laughs> because they didn't want anybody to take it. And like, and these were just kind of weird guys and it's a great story. But then uh, Matt, the guest also worked on this movie that the next episode that drops on Tuesday is going to be about. I interviewed the director of this film. It's the first. Oh. These are always, the the podcast is, you know, why is this not a movie? It's ideas for things that should be movies. This is my first ever episode about an actual movie that was made called The Moment. Uh, this British director somehow put together the technology to read an audience member's brainwaves. And the edits in the film are chosen by the audio, by the audience member's mind subconsciously. Wow. It's uh, it's amazing. It's, it's like choose your own adventure, but based on brainwaves. Exactly. Every scene in the movie, he has like three or four different takes. And then just based on what the person's brain is focusing on, it can detect like, oh, they're more, they're more, you know, they're paying better attention when this character's on screen. Mm-hmm. We're going to show more of this character in the next scene. And the writing and the filmmaking that must have gone into making that possible is just astounding. And the technology is fascinating. And so that's a great conversation with that guy coming up. And um, and so I had a little month off to get a break from the endless grind of editing podcasts, and then uh, and I'm and re-energizing <laughs> back at it. And you got to come up with another idea and come back again. I know, I do. Look in the archives because John came in and uh, pitched a movie last year, so or earlier this year. Yeah, was it earlier this year? I, I time has no meaning. It's a yeah. pandemic, but last season of the show. So whatever that means. So I I was introduced to you by our next guest who I'm about to introduce. And you know this guy, I think. Oh, since we were like six and seven. Oh, wow. So we're going to talk about Winslow tea. We're going to spill the tea, right? Mm. How you know, hashtag it. Does my Winslow tea prize package you mentioned, does that come with a copy of the home game? Yes. 
Um, all right. So let's let's see if I can hear this, dude. Scott, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Oh yeah. Let me let me uh, bring you up a little bit. John Reed, I know you love the sound of my voice. So I do. You pump pump it up, man. It's pumped. It's pumped. Do I get some Winslow tea? Yeah, it's it's in the mail. Checks in the mail. <laughs> um, so on, on the line virtually uh, is our friend Scott Bunn, host of Steve, co-host of Steve Sachs Syndrome, Indie Sports Radio on Asheville FM, and also the the man and the uh, the brains behind Recliner Notes. Diving deep into the oeuvre of Bob Dylan this year, but Recliner Notes is it's it's just got a they're just getting started. It's got a you know decades long future ahead. I can't wait to see what's next. How's it going, Scott? Oh, I'm doing great. What a beautiful intro. Thanks, John. And yeah, I can't believe I you know I sort of played matchmaker with you and with Mike, and I can't tell you how envious to that you guys are in the same room together uh, and then you're going to get lunch. Aha, I should have just flown up, should have just driven up last night. It's killing me. I could um we could keep the zoom going. We could uh I could put you on the on the lunch table. Yeah, how's your turkey sandwich, <laughs> man? Talk it through for me. I did Thanksgiving dinner with my parents that way. Oh yeah. We I the the Zoom dinners. Yeah, we just had the laptop sitting on the dining room table. Yeah, so depressing. <laughs> I mean, not you know, it's great to be with family however you can, but those those like Christmas and Thanksgiving dinners last year on Zoom. Yeah, it, it weirdly wasn't that different though. Like the conversation, <laughs> you know, the conversations and the like. <laughs> yeah, I'm already annoyed. Yeah, can't get a word in edgewise. <laughs> And then I feel like I'm talking too much. Yeah, it's it's always the same dynamic. Wow. Okay. So so guys, we we're gathered here today. Um, they they say if if more than two people um are gathered in his name, then it's it's a church. Um, we're gathered here today uh, to talk topics, and this is a, a kind of a meta show where I don't know how we started this idea. Because you, when last time I was on the show, you and I both just kept having ideas. Yeah, we had ideas. We we were doing a show about um, things that mostly suck, but have a a moment of brilliance, right? That, that's what yeah, the yeah. topic of that show. But then we started thinking of what about the inverse? What about things that are mostly great but have a, a moment that uh, that kind of sucks and kind of ruins it? Like an uh, like maybe an album um, that is ruined by almost a perfect album ruined by one song. Like I always forget, is it Rubber Soul or, or Revolver that has um, – Run for your life, yeah, and, rubber soul. Yeah, ends ends with like the the uh, the creepiest, worst John Lennon song of all time. <laughs> yeah, the perfect record just besmirched. So so that was one idea, and then we were like, we need to just come out, do a show where we just have uh, just do topics. 
I'm in. Scott's in. You in, Mike? Oh, oh I'm I'm here. I have a <laughs> I, I listened. I listened to your show together, and you guys were like, "Oh, we should do a show about topics." And I think I texted you immediately, John, and said, "Got me in. Just yes. include me. Just get me there. I want to be a part of that." I have one question: Are we answering any of these topics, or are we just leaving it to the audience? I mean, we we can if somebody has maybe you throw out a topic and then if if you have uh if any of us have like a an idea that comes to mind real quick we can throw that out all right well that that one the thing that is perfect but has one little yeah you know sand in the ointment um my my go-to is the princess bride which is the most you know wonderful and beloved movie ever made it's very close to being the perfect movie and there's just one little thing which is that mark Knopfler from dire straits wrote the score it's a fantastic score the sword yeah. fighting music all this stuff and it's played on these really tinny synthesizers. For some reason, all like 80s sort of fantasy movies had really cheesy synths. Mm-hmm. I would kill to hear that score redone with an orchestra. Mm. And if they did one of those things where a live orchestra plays, I've seen that with like The Wizard of Oz yeah. and Star Wars and stuff. It'd be great. But I would love to George Lucas myself in there and like just redo the audio track with an orchestra. Note for note, same. the music's fantastic. It's just the, the instrumentation is very cheap. And Rob Reiner did everything else right. Also, uh, I, that's a, a great idea. Also, when um, basically all of Biggie Small's catalog, if you could just delete the track of P. Diddy being like, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> I've always wanted to do that. That's like well, people deleting Jar Jar Banks, right? My friend Wade Solomon used to say, we call that interrupting. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, there was that Onion article that uh, like Diddy to sample Billy Jean in its entirety, and his new song was just Billy Jean with him going, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> um, so you were, you guys are are much more uh, prepared than I am. I'm just going to kind of freestyle and be the 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 like conduit. I'm going to just be like a shaman here. Um, <laughs> Scott gets that reference. Scott and I have something cooking up. Uh, for a future episode that has to deal with shamanism yeah it's not it's not a topic for today it's yeah. topics um so let's just go go toggle back and forth uh between the two of y'all scott you wanna you you ha- you have a a topic yeah i do um if you've listened to steve sack syndrome i've mentioned this um, a few times um, in our episodes over the years, but I'm obsessed with dead sports leagues. So like it started with the USFL in the mid eighties, there's the world football league in the seventies. And then of course the ABA, the American basketball association from the sixties and early seventies. And I think there's like each of those things could be its own topic. Um, but then just dead sports leagues in general. And uh uh, also, dead sports leagues, sports teams' names, which are great. Mm. The Arizona Wranglers, the Memphis Showboats, the Denver Gold from the USFL, the Hawaiians from the World Football League, and, of course, the Spirits of St. Louis from the ABA. So that's my first one, dead sports leagues or even dead sports league team names. So, Scott, no lie, John can confirm this. I'm wearing a T-shirt right now from your favorite website, Ebbets Field Flannels. That sells T-shirts. This is not a paid plug. Uh, we got all the Winslow Ice Team money we need. Yeah. Um, but Ebbsfield Flannel sells 
T-shirts and hats and other things from defunct sports teams, and I'm wearing a Brooklyn Wonders shirt. The Brooklyn yes. Wonders were a baseball team from 1890. There was a player's strike. Baseball was brand new, and the players were already going on strike, and the strike was so severe, they started their own rival league. They competed with like the National Association of Baseball Clubs, and um, and Brooklyn had a team called the Wonders for that one year, and then they resolved like the the ownership was getting their asses kicked by this rival players league, and so they they folded, and the players came back. This it's, is why this is why Mike Vega needs to be on a sh- uh, uh, radio show where the topic is topics because he has Wikipedia memorized. <laughs> <laughs> he does have that shirt on. Wouldn't that be really uh, crazy if he said all that and I looked over and I was like, he has a he has a uh, Lacoste <laughs> polo on right now. Can't confirm or deny. It's the magic of radio. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's uh, let's just kick it back to uh, to Scott. Oh wait, did Mike do one? No, that was, that was Scott. Oh, yeah. You just re- responded to. So I got confused. Um. Mike, what what do you have? Let's see. All right, this one's this one's actually for Scott. I know he'd like this. There's a lot. There's a solid consensus on who the best presidents are: your Lincoln's, your FDRs, your George Washingtons. And there's a pretty established consensus, at least among most people, about who our worst presidents are. We've had a couple of them in recent memory. But who's the one exactly in the middle? Who's the most mediocre? <laughs> is it somebody like William Henry Harrison who died after a month and didn't do anything? Or is it somebody like Calvin Coolidge who was president for six years and all we know about him is that he said you lose to a woman at a party? Um, Maybe uh, in modern presidents, George H.W., right? Yeah, I kind of think so. He's, he's, he's neither beloved nor hated. He's um, his, his big accomplishment, the Gulf War, kind of dried up in the sun. And is not really thought of as a triumph as it was at the time. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he looks respectable as all get out compared to the Republicans who've come since in terms of policy, but also in terms of like he was a World War II veteran. He had served as a congressman. He was the director of the CIA. Like He had a long and storied career as a public servant of this, of this country. And then his idiot kid who'd never held a full-time job until he turned 40 and then a freaking game show host. Like those are the Republicans that came after. Yeah. And so he looks like Churchill compared to these guys. My favorite thing about George H.W. Bush, the wacky socks. You ever see his, <laughs> his sock game? No, oh, when he was in his 90s, you know, up until he died, he was in a wheelchair with, like, wacky socks on. I wear I, wacky I just, socks, and, and he's, he's kind of my inspiration for that. <laughs> I, I got to go with Calvin Coolidge. I, I think that's the good one. Yeah, we know absolutely nothing about the guy. Uh, there's no real, like, historical thing that you can – like the Spanish-American War that you can connect with him. I have, I literally know nothing about Calvin Coolidge. So yes, most mediocre. Well, don't finish the topic, Scott. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Maybe no, others to... have other ideas. That's my vote. Um. All right, back to you, Scott. All right my uh, my next topic is character actors. Mm-hmm. Um. So you know some. You could talk about like John Cazale, who played Fredo um, for The Godfather, who like, you know, unfortunately died early of cancer, died very young. But his movie run is unparalleled. The Godfather, The Conversation, Godfather 2, Dog Day Afternoon and Deer Hunter. Those are the only movies he did. But then also guys like Philip Baker Hall, who played like 
Nixon in an Altman movie, then was on an episode of Seinfeld, and then was in Paul Thomas Anderson movies. But then, like, character actors who then became their own world, like Harry Dean Stanton or something like that. Paul Giamatti. Yeah, like, who then became like sort of became more than just being a character actor. So that's my, that's my next topic is, is character actors. I like that. Who's your favorite character actor, Mike Vega? Um, that's a good question. I mean, for a long time it was Steve Buscemi, but then he kind of became a, a yeah, lead. he's, yeah. You know, he's kind of the, the guy who did it, um, from being the funny looking guy in Coen, yeah. in Coen Brothers movies to, uh, to be in the headliner. It's like Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. Um, maybe Natasha Leone, although she, like she was even, even being the lead in Russian doll, she's still kind of just there as a character actor. That's interesting. It seems that like a lot of times character actor is, is more of a term reserved for, for dudes. Yeah. Yeah. This, although like beloved character actress, Margot Martindale. Yeah. Which is her name on Bojack Horseman. That's true. <laughs> that's that's a great point yeah but i think you're right john i think that was originally a, a designation the quote-unquote that guy you know um but then yes character actors are from yes female as well and i love the bojack horseman shout out by the way uh scott you've you've hooked me up with another one of your friends who i've yet to have on the sh- show and i want to n- make sure i'm not going to mangle his last name Matt Pagashnik. <laughs> Matt Pagashnik. Pagashnik. Um, he's going to be on the show in October, and we're going to we're going to do one of these topics that we uh, we come up with today. Okay. So they, there will be um, there will be blood, and don't tell him which ones. Put him on the spot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unless he's listening, uh, <laughs> but he can have his array and kind of prepare for all the different ones. So just just to kind of give this some stakes. All right, I don't I don't know if this topic works, but I've, I had this idea in my head for a long time of was there ever a band that reached any significant level of success without any of its original members? Mm. And I never had an answer to that. So I think it's like the topics maybe what's the best band with the fewest original members? Maybe Fleetwood Mac. That was my thinking be, too. Yeah, yeah, it might be yeah, it might be the biggest the biggest one. First one comes to mind. And uh, I I want to do a um, I want to do a Fleetwood Mac. Why this is not a movie? One of these days because their whole story is bananas. Mm-hmm. At one point, the band broke up, and their manager assembled a fake Fleetwood Mac. Told the members of the band, "Oh, go out on tour. Mick Fleetwood's going to join you on the road." He never did. He knew nothing about this. And then the band, like the the audiences, kind of didn't mind. But then the real band was like, "What the hell are they doing? We you know we got to come back and take this over." One of the guitarists, Jeremy Greenwood, um, was like, before the gig, they'd done sound check. He was just going to like, oh, I'll check at the local bookstore. Walked about six blocks from the venue. There was a cult setting up on the street, like a kind of a hippie Jesus cult. And he was like, you know what? I'm going to join this cult and drop out of Fleetwood Mac right the hell now. Wow. And he did. And 30 years later, he was like, in reflection, that was the right choice. He said <laughs> the only, his only regret was he didn't give them more notice. Because he didn't show up for the gig that night. And then the band was like caught short. And so their previous, I'm, I think I'm mixing these guys' names up, but Peter Green, somebody Green? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Peter, Peter Green. Green. Um, he had dropped out of the band because he was an acid casualty. And they were like, we need, we need him to come back and fill in. And he said, I will come back. 
Under these conditions, we will not play any of our recorded material. We will only do freeform jam sessions every single night. And they were like, you know what? Fine. We got to finish this tour. And they did exactly that. They didn't play any of their songs. They just went up and did like blue. You know, this is when they early on pre Stevie Nicks when they were a blues band. And they just came up there and just played the blues and jammed. And like the audiences were kind of, again, the audiences were kind of into it. Like it was the seventies. You could just kind of do anything. People were like, Oh yeah, that's interesting, man. Um, and then, and then they needed another guitar player. So they recruited Lindsey Buckingham and he was like, well, I'll, I'll only join with my songwriting part. Basically, if you put any demands in front of Fleetwood Mac, they would fold immediately. <laughs> and he was like, I've got, I'll only join if my songwriting partner can come in too. And that was Stevie Nicks. Yeah. And then, then they became a completely different band. Yeah. And then Christine McVie came in and sucked it up. <laughs> it's also weird about Fleetwood Mac. Like uh, Mike Campbell, the lead guitar player from Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, is now in Fleetwood Mac. Um, and so that's a that's another whole topic that I'm making up on the spot of like known musicians who join other known bands. Like I think Joe Walsh joining the Eagles back in the 70s. Dave Navarro like, joining, yeah, joining Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, exactly. Tom, Tommy yeah. Stinson the replacements in like Chinese Democracy or yeah. Guns N' Roses. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was, well, that was everybody was in. I was in <laughs> Guns N' Roses at some point. <laughs> Why does, uh, speaking of that guy, what's his name? Mike Campbell? Mike Campbell. Why yeah. does he have dreadlocks? I think he just has curly hair. No, he has dreads. <laughs> oh, does look, he look really? Up, look him up. He's got in. He's okay. got weird white guy, white dude, like Asheville sidewalk dreads. <laughs> New topic. <laughs> celebrity white celebrities who have dreadlocks. We'll put Adam Duritz was, in there from the Counting Crows. Adam Duritz dreads are fake. They were fake the whole time. They're, they're dreadlock extensions. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, if you'd Free like to form topic, yeah, I, this is this is this is getting good. I hope. Wh- how do you say his last name, Matt? P- Pagoshnik. P- I hope Matt Pagoshnik is is uh is getting s- stoked up for for. We <laughs> got some good ones. Whose turn right, is I, it? I forgot. It's my turn. Even though I just made up like two on the spot. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm cramming in as many as I can. All right. So there's this secret society or club that's, I guess, not so secret that Tom Waits keeps mentioning in interviews called Sons of Lee Marvin. And it's this group that he made up and it involves John Lurie and Jim Jarmusch. And and the idea is that they all kind of look like Lee Marvin or they could be like, <laughs> um, yes, like um, bastards of Lee Marvin. Um, and like then they get together and watch Lee Marvin movies. So that's the idea. But I was like, it's a way to then talk about you know, Tom Waits, John Lurie, Jim Jarmusch have all been in each other's projects, done music for movies. They've acted in stuff together, but it's a way. And then you could talk about Lee Marvin, too. So that's the topic is Sons of Lee Marvin. Well, I also like when celebrities who you know do work together also hang out and are friends. Yeah. Because oftentimes, you you know, you especially like when you're a kid, you don't really know how this works. You see people working, you know, on a show together and you're like, oh, well, you know, George and Jerry hang out after work, you know, after the show, after the cameras are off mm-hmm. and stuff. And they're like, no, it's just a job. Or you hear about movie sets where actors are like, they're just summer camp friends. 
you know, you're really close for like these, you know, eight weeks where you're making this movie and then you never talk to him again. And so, yeah, it, it is really fun to hear. Like, I love um, hearing the, like the, the John Mulaney, um, um, I'm blank. Bill Hader. Bill Hader. Yes. Yeah. Hearing those two guys talk about like all of the, like the inside jokes they had that didn't make it on Saturday Night Live and how they like, will just text each other watching bad movies. And like, these guys are like pals and they hang out. And, uh, and it's kind of fun to think about people you like and appreciate, uh, actually, actually hanging out and being friends. What about a topic on insane, uh, ex Saturday Night Live cast members <laughs> that are now, uh, on adjacent. What, what's your next one? <laughs> <laughs> Was that just a direct dig at Victoria Jackson? Oh, there's tons of them. Uh, what's the what's the guy that's uh, been in the news this week? Jim Brewer. Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, uh, Rob Schneider. There's all these mega mega that's SNL people. Kind of the worse you were on that show, the more right wing you become later on. Yeah. Other than Dennis Miller, who was great on that show, and then. Um, Jay Clarkson says it's not the Counting Crows; it's Counting Crows. <laughs> <laughs> we stand corrected. That's an important Sorry, distinction. Jay. Yes, you're absolutely you're absolutely right. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> yes, we've we've just been besmirching XSNL people, <laughs> but we've got to make a correction about the true name of Counting Crows. Um, your turn, Mike. Yeah. So this one. I, I actually have a, a Nicki Minaj take that I actually haven't heard in the circle in the you mm-hmm. know, 360 degree circle of uh, of hot takes, which came to me from Norm Macdonald. So, um, you know, the, Norm Macdonald passed away, and there's been all these wonderful remembrances and that sort of thing. And an interview with him, or something that he wrote, or some, something that I saw, he was talking about going on politically correct with Bill Maher and how he didn't really like the show or the format. Um, He's one of those rare people who did something like Bill Maher, but the um, but the show he said, like you know, you got me, I'm a comedian, and then next to me you have like the head of the Infectious Diseases Center, and there's a con- there's a question about infectious diseases, and they asked me first, and I was like, what do I know? I don't know anything about anything, and um, and yet we have this idea that everybody's opinions are equally valid and the facts are just somebody's opinion. Mm -hmm. And it goes like our national sickness of both sides are equally bad, which you see everywhere. You see the media presenting, you know, the the Republicans say this, the Democrats say this. If one side says the sky's blue and the other side says the sky's green, the New York Times doesn't run a picture of the sky. They say controversy erupts over sky color. Mm -hmm. And, um, And you see this everywhere. And I think this has led to like on one hand you have Dr. Anthony Fauci who has been a career, you know, disease expert for 40 years and on the other hand you have Nicki Minaj's cousin's friend mm-hmm. and both of their experiences are are now considered equally valid. And this is just destroying our entire society. This idea that like there's an Asimov quote that gets posted on Facebook sometimes that he said like there's this poisonous idea that like you know my my facts are as good as or are of equal merit to your lies or whatever however you put it. That um, actually going back to John Stewart years and years ago. Actually, I know which year it was two thousand four because Bush was running for re-election against John Kerry, and there was a whole Swift boat nonsense. Mm-hmm. Excuse me a sec. <coughs> Colbert, nice, Colbert, nice cough. Thank bro. you. Yeah, I don't have a cough button. You, you only, <laughs> the, only the host has the cough. You button. You should have given me a cough button. Signal. Oh, I didn't know there was a sig. We didn't work out our signals before yeah. we started this. Um, John Stewart, Colbert is still on the Daily Show, 
and he's doing his stuff shirt blowhard, mm-hmm. you know, newsman per- persona. And so he comes and talks about the Swift boats. And Stuart, as the sort of befuddled everyman, says, we all know this isn't true. Everybody knows this isn't true. So why are you reporting it as if it might be? And he says, John, I'm a journalist. My job isn't to report the facts. My job is to repeat what one side says and repeat what the other side says. So, you know, it's a solid, typical Colbert, incisive gag. The next night, the guest on The Daily Show is Ted Koppel. And the same question he asked Stephen Colbert in jest, he asks Ted Koppel in earnestness, and he gives the same answer. Mm-hmm. He said, our job is to report the controversy. And, like, that is destroying us. It has killed, literally killed hundreds of thousands of people from COVID because we don't trust the experts because any idiot with a Twitter account is now the expert. And so I did my own research by mm-hmm. just f- scrolling through my phone in the toilet. <laughs> and um, and we've degraded this idea that, like, people who know what, you know, people who have lots of experience and have studied these things and understand these things know more than other people who haven't. And, like, that's how we end up with a freaking game show host as our president. Because and like Andrew Yang running for president when that didn't work, he ran for mayor and like he's never held public office a day in his life. He's never won an election and he thinks he can be president. He thinks he can run the biggest city in America just because of ego or because like, oh, I was successful in this other area. Um, Or you have like Ben Carson, who was legitimately a brilliant brain surgeon, one of the like pinnacle, like the pinnacle of that field. And then thought, oh, I can also be president because I was good at this other thing. Mm -hmm. And like, that's not how it works. Like. And you you kind of see, um, you know, people advocating for candidates, you know, anybody who like votes for the Green Party because the Democrat is too insidery or whatever. Like, yeah, they're insidery because they've done the freaking job and they know what they're doing. And whoever the Green Party runs is somebody who's never done any of this, has no idea what they would, you know, do if they were actually president. Um, like this idea of expertise, I've kind of become more, as you can probably tell, like defensive about this that like, no, people get to be good at their jobs by doing that job for a while. And then you have there's a level of trust you should have that like, yeah, doctors know more about medicine than you do. That's why they're doctors. That's why they went to med school. So what's the topic? Um, <laughs> <laughs> that, that this is such a poisonous idea that everyone's opinion is equally valid, whether it's informed or uninformed. Uh, what, what about, a, uh, what about stay, a topic called stay in your lane? Oh yeah, yeah. That's kind of it. like yeah. worst uh, worst examples of you know of someone uh, kind of getting out of their lane. My- Michael Jordan playing baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Yeah. That's that's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the winner. Although uh, there's also John the- uh, John John Mayer doing stand up. <laughs> or John Mayer playing in the Grateful Dead. Yes. Actually, that 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 seems like his lane, to, like pretty directly. <laughs> Not if you ask Jake Frankel. Jake Frankel, shout, uh, Jake Frankel. I'm going to need to get Jake Frankel on this show just to talk about how much he detests John Mayer playing in Grateful Dead. Is He's that, incensed. That's going to be a band with no original members. Yeah, that's true. Um, S- Scott, your turn. I have. I, I actually have one that's uh, somewhat related to what my, Mike was just talking about. So this is more of a literary topic or the examples that I thought of, but it's definitely in film and television as well. The idea of unreliable narrators, right? Um, So Mike was actually kind of hinting at it a little bit in journalism, but, um, you know, it's a, 
it's a long a device in in literature you know henry james did it in turn of the screw um i don't know if you ever read this is like the great underrated novel called the good soldier by ford maddox ford great novel really kind of like when you start reading it you're like wait a second what are we actually talking about here like um yeah and so there's other examples of that in literature but then in movies and in and in tv like you have to do it in a different way like in literature you can sort of do it subtly but i was thinking about like walter white and breaking bad or something like that so unreliable narrators that's another one holden caulfield You 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 uh, shorted out there, Scott. Oh, I did. I so yeah. I, I'm basically done. <laughs> did you hear me say Holden Caulfield? Oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, there's a lot of Edgar, Edgar Allan Poe stories where you gradually realize. Oh, that, Edgar Allan. Yeah, he's, you know, that he's the narrator's the, insane. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, you got another one? Um, I had one on the tip of my tongue, and we started talking about unreliable narrators and. Um, it has vanished. Give me a second. I'm always, I'm always yeah. interested in, um, like making your own, um, making like super groups. Oh yeah. But like, I think a lot of times when, when people make super groups, uh, if you've ever played this game with friends, it's like, it's just, it, it's not, people don't think of cohesiveness, right? So, like, they'll be like, Jimi Hendrix on guitar, Paul McCartney on bass, John Bonham on drums. It's like, all right. Mm. Or, like, Flea on bass. It's just, like, an all-star game, but it's right. it's not, like, so maybe, it's like... It's like fantasy sports as yeah. opposed to, like, a real team. Yeah. yeah, so, like, the topic would be, like, imagine you're the producer... Who you got to really think about a, a band like put together like a, a fantasy band that would actually make a good record, and you can think of like what era um, each person would you know would be. Um, like I I, w- I would like uh, you know Paul McCartney as he just broke up with the Beatles and he's like wants to be in a band so bad, mm. you know. Scott, you said you had one. I I really like that idea. Um, I I only have one example of this, but the idea of like fake art in books, where um, so there's this. Uh, Mike has read this book. I know Jonathan Lethem, um, Chronic City. Uh, he has this fake artist who built this um, chasm in New York city. Um, and I can't remember the name of the character, but I always, uh, and Latham just, you know, creates this, you know, world around this and the way that the, uh, the sort of, uh, narrator of the book is sort of interacting with this piece of art. And I've always been like, I want to see this. I want to be able to, to do this. So, uh, I, I, I've, I've, I, think there are probably more examples of this i i didn't go down the rabbit hole but the idea of made up art in literature Mm. well that's one of those things though where i think you it works to not show the monster oh yeah like we never hear the poem in henry fool Mm -hmm. 
but that like you can't write a poem that like has this profound impact on everybody who hears it. Yeah. Um, it's kind of the idea of this guy wrote this amazing poem. I just read um, Roberto. Uh, well, didn't just read, but this past year I read Roberto uh, Bolaño's Savage Detectives. Uh, amazing book. and Great book. And he's always talking about these poets and, and their poetry and the poems they write, but you never see, you never get to read any of their poems throughout the book. And um, it's that same kind of thing where you don't see the monster and, and you just imagine these these poets writing this surrealistic revolutionary like the, poetry. Like the Tenacious D song tribute. Like this is <laughs> this is not the greatest song in the world. We did it, but we can't remember what it was. This is a tribute to the greatest song in the world that we also wrote. <laughs> Guys, I wish we could go a whole another hour this is so much fun, but we can't. I have to. Yeah. I have to say goodbye to you both. I'm so sad right now. <laughs> well, uh, thank you for having us. I, yeah. I can't tell you how much fun this was. Yeah, um, S- Scott hosts uh, Steve Sachs Syndrome on Asheville FM and also writes uh, Recliner Notes, um, which he's doing um, Acid Westerns right now as as. Um, and, and Bob Dylan's all all of his acid westerns. It's great stuff, and uh, we'll have Scott on. We we've got a, a show cooking up. Well, maybe in November. Okay, um, I'll see you soon. Okay, Scott. Thanks, John. And Mike hosts. Why is this not a movie? Such a great show. Um, check that out. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks for having me back in the studio. Uh, if you're listening on your. F- uh, if you're listening on your computer, you can download the app for your phone. Uh, you can go to the website, RadioFreeBrooklyn.org, uh, which you might be on uh, currently. And, and if you'd like, drop us a drop us a couple bucks. Um, it all goes to help, like the some eighty shows on this station um, stay on the air. Um, we're all doing this for free. Actually, we're paying to do this. Um, to be honest. Um, <laughs> Uh, one of these amazing shows is coming up next. It's called Crime Talk BK. Um, I had this song stuck in my head as I well, we went to the beach again last weekend. Um, this is Stevie Wonder off of Inner Visions. This is uh, Visions. Next week we got Chris Mata on the show. Um, we're going to catch up and talk, talk food. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks again to Mike and Scott. And have a great week. Peace.
the laws never pass But somehow all men feel they're truly free at last Have we really gone this far through space and time? Or is this a vision in my mind? Thank you. 